You know, most of those passages, I suspect, have as their context the fear that is associated with unbelief. If all anxiety is sinful, what do you do with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane? Welcome to 1A, a ministry of First Presbyterian Church, episode 22. This week, as we continue to discuss emotions, we further our conversation on the feeling of fear by focusing specifically on anxiety. I'm Josh Squires, the Minister of Counseling and Congregational Care here at First Press. You're listening to a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. If this is your first time listening, we appreciate you checking us out. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. For more information, you can visit our webpage, which is firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprezcolumbia.org forward slash 1A. To find out how to contact us or how to subscribe, listen to the end of the show. If you do find this ministry useful, then subscribe using the application of your choice, and every Monday a new episode will be waiting for you. While you're there, leave us some comments. As we increase the number of reviews and comments, it becomes easier for others to find our podcast. Is anxiety always sinful? What do we do with the scriptures that tell us to cast our cares upon the Lord? Is there such a thing as good stress? And if so, what's the difference? Also, what do we do with how Christ felt in the Garden of Gethsemane? Dr. Thomas and I wrestle with these questions and more on this episode. We appreciate all the listener feedback that we've received so far. Keep it coming. Your feedback is how we make sure that this ministry is useful for you and for the kingdom. Now, let's get to our episode. Okay, so last week, Derek, we talked about fear, and we talked about the positive of fear in the fear of God, something that we should cultivate in our lives. But this week, we're going to talk about fear in the negative. And when we talk about fear in the negative, a lot of times people talk about anxiety. Now, Paul will say in Philippians, be anxious for nothing. So is it true that whenever we feel anxiety, that is sin? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. I mean, obviously, there are those who are predisposed to being anxious. You know, there are types, personality types, and you and you describe them as anxious types. There was, there always seem to be fretting. You know, people. Let me use a personal illustration. People ask me all the time, "How long does it take you to prepare a sermon?" You know, it's a very personal question. Yeah. And obviously, after being, after preaching for forty years, it takes me a whole lot less than you know your average first time preacher does. Me. Well, uh, the, and and these questions often come from students, right. uh, seminary students. I say to them, you know, and, and this is not the, I'll get to the point of the question, but right. let, let me just, I, I need to say this much in <laughs> right. order to get to the point of the question. That I'll often say, if I don't get the outline of the sermon within an hour, you know, it's going to be a bad day. Uh, and that generally means that, you know, once I see the outline, I can walk away. And the rest of the sermon, not all of it, but some of it, I, I can do not sitting at my desk. But I, I say to them, I like to keep some of it unfinished. Hmm. 
because I think I preach better when I'm anxious. Okay. You know, if you have it all packaged up, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't read my sermons. So I don't have, I don't have a manuscript mm-hmm. or anything. I, I have a few notes. Uh, and they're words, half sentences, occasionally a quotation that I might forget because mm-hmm. I have a lot of birthdays. So, mm-hmm. I, so I might, if, but I don't, I generally don't like using quotations that I have to read. So mm-hmm. I'll, Anyway, that's not the question. But the question is, I like to keep some of it for the spur of the moment, but that can make you a little anxious because mm-hmm. you're beginning a sentence and you think, where is this sentence going? Uh, and But that nervousness, that sense of nervous energy is, a, I think, what makes the sermon better. It makes it more... Because when I'm on edge, uh, they're on edge. Hmm. That could be misinterpreted, but right. I, I think it's easier to listen to somebody who's thinking with you mm. and just slightly ahead of you than it is to listen to somebody reading a manuscript. Uh, there's a form of anxiety um, that helps. Uh, being uncertain of the future, you know. So, so I, I guess, I guess you have to define what is anxiety. Mm. Is there good anxiety and bad anxiety? Is there nervous energy that makes for a better singer, a better actor? Hmm. Um, and I think that most professional actors and singers hmm. will say that nervous energy is a good thing. Hmm. Makes them makes them perform better. What do you think, as a counselor? Is there good is there good anxiety and bad anxiety? Well. Yes. And actually, there's a distinction here between eustress and distress, right? So a prefix that means good, a eulogy, is a good word. Oh, you're using Greek. I, I thought you meant you as in Y-O-U. No, 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 no. Derek stress. You're, you're in Greek. Yes. yes. Right. So in the same way, eulogy, good Jim word. Jim Packer's word. Actually, it's C.S. Lewis's word. No, it's Tolkien's word. You catastrophe. A good catastrophe. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So, so similarly, there's you stress, good stress, and there's distress, bad stress. So you stress is the sort of stress that keeps you focused. The illustration that I use here when I'm talking to people in the room is a race car, right? I mean, you're British. You, you like Formula One racing, mm-hmm. right? So Sterling Moss. Right. Whoever that is. I'm... I'm American, NASCAR, Dale Earnhardt. Um, so you've got spoilers on the race car that help create downforce. That give the gives the car enough grip. They can go around the turns without coming off the track, and possibly even like flipping over. I had a car once that could barely make it over fifty miles an hour, and it had spoilers on the back of it. The spoilers didn't make it go faster. It was all for show. <laughs> this ruins my conception of spoilers. So what I will tell people is, is you stress is like that spoiler. It, it helps create enough downforce that you can grip and that you can make sharp turns. But distress, it's the thing that actually slows you down and inhibits. So there are four areas that I would say if stress begins to affect these four areas, then you've moved from you stress, good stress to distress. Those four areas, work, uh, play, sleep, and eat. 
So if you find yourself either throwing yourself into work in order to avoid things, or you find that you can't concentrate on your work, that would be school for students. If you find yourself sleeping more or less than normal, you find yourself eating more or less than normal, or you find that uh, you don't enjoy what you would normally enjoy, then I would say you have moved from eustress into the category of distress. It is now uh, keeping you from functioning properly in the way that the Lord has designed you. Let me let me do the fundy thing for a minute and, sure. and quote some Bible passages. Sure, you know there are obviously Bible passages, and some of these passages are are very dear to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Sermon on the Mount passage, uh, Matthew six, right? And don't be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you put on mm-hmm. your body. Uh, you know, God takes care of the lilies, the ravens. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Mm -hmm. Or um, passages uh, like uh, Psalm, uh, sorry, Psalm 55. Okay. uh, Passages like Psalm 55 and verse 22, cast your uh, burden or cares Mm -hmm. on the Lord and he will sustain you. Or the 23rd Psalm, Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because mm-hmm. you are uh, with me. The number of times the Bible actually says, do not be afraid. Um, and so on. Yeah. Uh, what, what, you know, most of those passages, I suspect, have as their context the fear that is associated with unbelief. Hmm. Uh, the, the fear that is associated with a lack of trust in the Lord mm-hmm. r- rather than the fear that is associated with I'm not quite sure what's going to happen next so I need to be I need to be on guard I need to be watchful mm-hmm. I need to have my eyes darting from left to right I need to have my senses on maximum because somebody may be coming up from behind me. Right. I mean, so, and and that's really interesting because now um, you're talking about uh, a fear of unbelief and the place that people go to. And the question that you have is, well, if all anxiety, uh, no matter what its context or what it's afraid of is sinful, what do you do with Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he has that feeling of being, and I believe that the Greek there is the pressure that is un, like between two rocks, that sort of incredible pressure. Whether whether or not he's actually bleeding while he's sweating, or if he's sweating such large amounts of sweat that it actually looks like he was bleeding, like that sort of quantity, I, I don't know, but he's undergoing some sort of physiological symptoms of what I think you and I would call a stress. So if all stress is bad and all stress is sin, then you've got the problem of Gethsemane that you've still got to deal with. Um, if instead you turn that, as you suggest, and say that, well, these texts are talking about unbelief, then then you safely are able to get Christ out of that particular problem. Because Christ's fear isn't unbelief. It's his belief that is causing his anxiety 
he he knows what's about to happen to him and he knows what's about to happen to him because of God's word and he trusts God's word You know, there's a psalm, a psalm, and I'm going to say it's Psalm 34. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Mm. Well, I'm reading the ESV here. Mm. There's a paraphrase, Scottish paraphrase of Psalm 34 verse 9 that goes something like this. Fear the Lord. Because when you fear the Lord, you have nothing else to fear. Hmm. Right? In other words, there is a there is a proper fear mm-hmm. that is associated with um, our our most intimate relationship with with God. Hmm. Well, similarly, you know, I I think that you cannot, as you say, downplay what Jesus is experiencing in Gethsemane. Hmm. It is. Uh, a point in which he has never been before. He is facing a future, the contents of which, in his human mind at least, are not fully known. Mm. It's a black hole Mm. as far as his human mind is concerned. And he prays, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And I'm suggesting that there is a kind of fear that is associated with unbelief to which these these negative prohibitions mm-hmm. and admonitions, do not be afraid, uh, relate. Mm. But I don't think that they mean that you should never tremble in the presence of an unknown future. Right. Even when you do know that every part of that is surrounded by the protection of Almighty God. Hmm. There's a line in The Lord of the Rings where Aragorn says to Frodo, are you afraid? Hmm. And Frodo says, yes. And Aragorn says, you're not afraid enough. Mm. Are you frightened? I think is what he says. Mm. Uh, you're not frightened enough. Mm. Uh, in other words, you need to be more aware of the demand that is going to be put on you than right. you than you are at the minute. You, mm. you, you need to have your eyes opened to the, a, a greater sense of the reality of this situation. Mm. What differentiates, again, mm-hmm. good anxiety? Mm-hmm. Eustress. Eustress mm-hmm. and bad anxiety. Distress. Distress. Well, usually, again, distress will affect your ability to function in life the way that you can or ought to. Um, so a good stress for you going back to what you're talking about with preaching actually helps you to be a better preacher. It helps you to uh, more accurately or more engagingly expound the word of God for the, for your hearers. Distress is a stress then that prevents me for th- from thinking clearly or communicating clearly actually inhibits my ability to function in a way in which I need to function. 
so I guess, you know, the question that comes on the heels of that for me is, well, if Christians can feel that way, um, it may not be what we want. It may not, we may not desire for them to feel that way, but it's not necessarily sinful when they feel that way, when they feel distress about an uncertain future. What do people who are distressed do, right? Christians who are distressed and it's not necessarily sin, you know, should they just sit and stew and worry? No, right? So, so what do they do? Well, they engage uh, at the thought level as soon as they can. Uh, I think the admonition from Paul that we are not to be anxious about anything, but with prayer, with thanksgiving, is actually a, a really key piece. We tend to downplay that second portion of it. Um, that having a remembrance of God's goodness to us when he has helped us to persevere through trial and temptation and keeping a record or a log of those that we can meditate on and that we can pray on and reminds us again that that though we don't see the way forward, God has always provided for us and helped us to move forward. And sometimes we see people for whom the way forward is ultimately glory, but he will provide a way forward for us. And so reminding ourselves of that goodness, I think is a really good first step through prayer. I would also tell people that they should talk, that the Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the, uh, the law of Christ is an injunction for us that we might be able to talk about these things with each other. Now, you have to be discerning about with whom it is that you're going to talk about some of these things. So, What about the person who suffers from anxiety attacks? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, if it gets to the level that it really is affecting, affecting your life functioning, your ability to work, your ability to sleep, eat, um, enjoy life in general, I would say that you need to talk to somebody. And on the table there is also the idea of medication. Now, here's the deal with medication and especially anxiety medication. Anxiety medication is one of the most addictive types of medication. Because when you get on anxiety medication, all of a sudden you have this experience of on a scale of 1 to 10, a 0 or a 1. Who doesn't want stress at a 0 or a 1 in their life? That feels pretty good. But that's not actually the way that you and I are made. We're made to handle a 4 or a 5. And again, that's the thing that helps us focus and stay on the road. And so... People will get used to that particular feeling and they will stay on medication much longer than they need to and coming off of it becomes much harder. So for people who have this life functioning issue, I would say get counseling. Uh, medication would be on the table for me, but you need to have a plan for how you're going to come off of it. I I'm going to be on. I'm going to make measurable goals when I reach these goals. I'm going to consult with my uh, physician and I'm going to get off of them with the aid of someone like a spouse or a good friend or a parent who helps keep me accountable to those goals. It becomes very easy to let those goals slip. And then all of a sudden you find yourself addicted to this medication and it is painful to come off. You know, when we, when we raise issues like 
folk who suffer from anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. You know, these are these are obviously not the norm. They mm-hmm. are they are uh, extreme cases, mm-hmm. and, and and we do have to have a, a policy. We do have to have advice for extreme cases. But in in the norm, mm-hmm. I, I love the thought. I carry around in my head, but I also I also physically carry around with me in a little notebook some some Bible texts that, mm-hmm. that mean a great deal to me, knowing what I am prone to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and one uh, recently has been a, a paraphrase uh, of. Um, a psalm uh, by Ralph Davis uh, that in tight places God makes a space for you, mm. um, and it's a it's a I, I don't want to cheapen it by saying it's therapeutic, right. therapeutic in the sense that it heals, yeah. it restores, it calms, mm. it uh, enables you to keep going, it enables you to. Uh, the fact that the text speaks of God, He He makes a space for you, mm-hmm. uh, is a reminder that in every circumstance, every set of contingencies, there is a sovereign God who never sleeps, mm. who is always there for mm. you mm. as a child of God, mm. uh, which in itself is anxiety relieving Mm, mm. you know and and i think a really good point here is even if you're somebody on the outside so you know that 10 to 15 percent that has anxiety attacks if you're not doing something spiritually if you're not continuing to throw yourself on the promises of the lord and find peace and security there you're really not going to get very far it's going to be um, a Band-Aid over, you know, uh, a stab wound. It, it, it's not going to heal on its own. Medicine may be able to dull the senses. Talking to somebody or writing, which which I would tell people are good ideas and that they should do, um, might help for a little while. But you're not going to get any significant gains unless you know the peace, the assurance, the comfort that can only come from the Holy Spirit through God's Word. I prayed to the Lord and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Psalm Mm. 34, verse 4. You've been listening to 1A, a counseling ministry of First Presbyterian Church. We encourage you to listen to all our episodes, which you can find on our webpage, at firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. That's firstprescolumbia.org forward slash 1A. You can also check us out on all your favorite podcasting applications, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, then subscribe. Also, don't forget to tell your friends and family about us as well. If you have comments, questions, or issues you'd like us to wrestle with, contact us. You can reach us at our email address, which is 1A at firstprescolumbia.org. That's 1A at firstpresscolumbia.org or via our Twitter account, which is at 1A Podcast. That's at 1A Podcast. Or by phone, 803-281-1795. 803-281-1795.
For Dr. Thomas, I'm Josh Squires. We look forward to seeing you next week. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.